0: Okay, I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep going. Let's start
1: over. Pretty sure the, there's no swear. What's the play in music going to be? Yeah. Ooh, we haven't figured okay. that out yet. Because that could, could really get us in the zone.
2: It sounds much more uh, professional. Uh, Annie A- Up by uh, <laughs> M.O.P. Annie <Amy laughs> Up. Annie Up. Kidnap that fool. Up. <laughs> get him, get him, get him. <laughs> Hi, welcome to the... <laughs> <laughs>
0: Breakdown, a show where we look at the world of finance through a youthful lens. I'm your host, Sasha, alongside some curious millennials, Taylor,
2: Jeff,
0: and Lucas. Joining us this week to discuss all things investing are Associate Portfolio Managers, Jason Davis and Stefan Kelly.
2: Hello. Awesome. So guys, uh, I mean, this week we're talking about investing and just to sort of start out i guess why why should people invest what's what is the main reason behind it yeah so this is jason here and you should invest for a lot of reasons uh
1: first of all um yeah i feel like i'm like sorry I feel like i have like lines and then i have to go through them yeah that's cuz you wrote enough. it down
3: <laughs> no
2: but it feels I'm more like free <laughs> <laughs> um Yeah, but like, like what, like what, like so you know, let's say you come fresh out of school or something, you just started your first job, you've only been putting money in a savings account and just earning like whatever the interest rate the bank's been giving you. What, like, surely there's a better way to manage your money, right? Like, there should be.
1: Yeah, so Stefan and I were talking, and there's really three main, I guess, large reasons why you need to invest, and that should be an overarching thing. Uh, you should always have some kind of rainy day fund or some kind of savings put aside because you're going to need it at some point in your life. So when we were talking, we came up with three things. Uh, One, you might have a big purchase that you need to save for. So whether that's a house, a car, a wedding, or if you just want to travel, that's an important uh, reason to invest. Uh, Another thing would be a rainy day fund. So you might have a job now, be making income, but there's nothing, nothing to say that tomorrow... You might lose your job or you might have an accident where you're unable to work for a period of time. So having a rainy day fund uh, for things that you can't really foresee coming uh, is important. And the number one thing, and I think probably what we'll focus on uh, talking to you guys is for retirement. So if you look at, uh, so we're all in our 20s. If you look at our parents, when they started their first job, uh, when they were 20 years old, they probably had a pension that they would work towards. So a pension is where uh, your employer, whether it's public sector, so if you work for the government or a teacher or private sector would pay you once you retire based on how many years you were there or how much money you made and it was guaranteed. They were basically doing the investing for you. But now what you see is a lot, especially in the private sector, companies are moving away from that. So they're putting the investment responsibility on uh, the employees. So it's very important that you start. Uh, and the other thing to note is to start when you're young. So uh, we have a couple of scenarios we can run you through. And the the younger you are when you start, the better and the easier you're going to make it for yourself.
4: So you're saying I should start like right now putting money away in investing or should I just put it into an account or what? So I'm saying you should have started yesterday. Oh, yeah. Jeez. A <laughs> little late there. Lady. I was told little I wouldn't late. get a pension, but I didn't realize I was this late to the game.
2: Okay, so if I'm I'm already supposed to be doing this whole investing, saving stuff, um, like where where do I start with this? Like where, where am I investing? What am I investing into?
3: So uh, it's Stefan here. Uh, what you end up investing uh, in generally will depend on why you are saving or investing? So you really want to focus on what your time horizon is. So how long do you expect to be saving money, uh, and when do you need that money? Right, because investing is all about putting away money today so that you'll have more money in, to spend in the future. So if you are looking to buy a house and you think that might be five years away, then you need to be uh, investing in things that you think will do better over kind of a five-year time horizon. So maybe you want something that's uh, a little bit lower risk because as you get into higher risk uh, uh, investments, you typically will have uh, more volatility in them. And therefore, if you have a more a kind of short or medium time horizon, you're less likely. Uh, or you're more likely to have to cash them out at a, uh, an opportune time.
2: Okay, so like for me, I'm wondering like is, is there always like, most people have a goal, or like I'm kind of a bonehead sometimes. So like I like to think like there's just investing money to have money for the sake of money.
1: That's a lot of monies.
2: <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> so I would say the, the number one thing that all young people should do is. Uh, Create a savings plan So everyone First of all Should have a budget Uh, How much money Do you make How much is going To go to rent How much is going To food How much is going To beer Uh, Or Mm -hmm. other entertainment Uh, And you should Have savings As kind of The The focus of that So One quote We were talking about Is A lot of people uh, Save the money After they're done Spending But it should be The reverse You should spend The money After you're done saving. So a good kind of ballpark number would be, say, 10% of what you make. So 10% of every paycheck, just uh, put it into a savings account or an investment account. And then we'll talk about what you can do for investing. But uh, for sure, start a discipline plan of like 10%. If you can go up to 15 or 20 if you're living at home, you should really be taking advantage of that time. Because if you're living at home and you're not paying rent, and you can save up to 30% or 40%, that's awesome. And that's really going to help you...
2: Uh, further on in life so for you listeners uh lucas's face just went white as a ghost (laughs) so i I think think, he just you read
4: me so easily (laughs) before i say (laughs) it that's all i do i'm like oh where'd the money go (laughs) now i know
2: (laughs) right uh so okay so so that that makes complete sense and sort of tailoring your own goals to what sort of investments you are Entering in like makes sense for for a planning perspective. So let's start. I guess at almost like ground zero, where if we wanted to invest, like sh- like what like what it like what would be the protocol? Like what like what are the steps to invest? Essentially, I mean, I'm sure there are
3: multiple ways of doing that. I mean, the very first step is like even something simple like a savings account. There's no reason that you need all of your money in your checking account. If you have money in a savings account right now interest rates are very low obviously you're getting not very much in your savings account but it's better than nothing Uh, and historically you would have done significantly better just leaving the money in the savings account now going on from there uh, if you want to actually get involved in investing uh, typically what you would do is uh, open usually a discount brokerage account which uh, you can open uh, there's online ones or all the banks have them uh, does that mean it's like cheaper than a normal brokerage account yes so it means it's not full service which uh, when you're young you don't necessarily need full service uh, because I mean you don't have that much money and hey. obviously bank fees. well Bro. typically <laughs> you don't have that much money yeah. and uh, <laughs> typically fees can be very high uh, especially when you have a very small amount of money mm. so it's important to be able to uh, save money on fees.
4: Right. So you have to pay money to have somebody invest it for you, right? You got you to gotta pay yes. a fee for yes. them to take care of it. But the hope is that you would make more money than you'd be paying in fees, right?
3: Uh, yes. Or you can, uh, with a discount brokerage account, you can do it yourself. Oh. So really that's kind of a do-it-yourself plan where uh, you can do something simple like uh, buy low-cost ETFs that will match the market, which if you don't have a lot of money to spend uh, or I have a lot of time to spend, because if you're going to look to do individual investments in companies, that requires a lot of time because you need to do research and uh, all that. Uh, so,
1: geez. Yeah, so just taking a step back, I guess, from a very high level, what you have to do is, okay, first you have to save a little bit of money, whether it's $1,000 or a few thousand dollars, then you wanna open an investment account. Uh, and as Stefan said, a discount brokerage is probably the way that most young people should go. It's easy uh, to set up and then you can, once you have some money saved, you can deposit it into the account. All of that's done electronically, obviously. Everything is these days. <laughs> and then, so a lot of the platforms, a lot of the discount brokerages will have different investments that you could buy. So as Stefan was just getting into, you could buy individual stocks. So uh, a lot of companies have their own stock. So for big companies like Disney or Apple or McDonald's, you can go in and buy those individual stocks. But as Stefan said, uh, how do you know which stock is a good investment? Uh especially if you don't have the financial background to look at the companies and know whether it's going to perform well. So if you if you don't have the time or the knowledge to do that, there's two ways you can go. So uh, ETFs, which are exchange-traded funds, you can get an exchange-traded fund on uh, an entire market. So if you are focused in the U.S., you want the performance of the U.S. stock market, there is an exchange-traded fund that will, will track that. Uh, so there's good things and bad things with that. One is that it's very low fee. That's a good thing. Uh, two, you get the performance of the market. But on the negative side, you are invested in all companies. So you have the good with the bad. You're not making any kind of uh, uh, choice into, or decision mm-hmm. into what's good and what's bad. So the other uh, way you can go, if you don't have uh, the time or the resources to look into companies yourself... Is to go with a professional manager. So, uh, and that would be the avenue of mutual funds. So, uh, you can invest in different mutual funds. It, it's very important to look at the fee schedule and the strategy uh, of those funds. And so, the strategy being who's the manager. But basically, how that works is that you can say you have a thousand dollars or five thousand dollars. You want to put it into that fund. Uh, your $5,000 will be invested alongside the strategy of the fund. So now, you essentially, you're giving your money to a professional manager, uh, and if you want all equities, uh, he's going to invest in whichever equities, or him and his team, uh, whichever equities they think that are going to perform the best.
4: And this would still be through a discount brokerage? Yes. Okay. So a discount
1: so brokerage would offer some mutual funds. Right. So it wouldn't be like extra fees because it has this
4: nice manager or anything like that?
3: No, it- uh, so every fund, even ETFs, they all have embedded fees. So fees within the fund, uh, they have fees for someone has to hold the asset, a custodian. They have fees for the management. There's, they have legal fees. There are fees built into the funds. Now, typically, if you're buying something as simple as an exchange-traded fund that matches an index, well, you don't need a professional manager for that because they're just simply following an index. So they typically have very low fees. But if you have a professional manager who's doing individual stock selection, your fees are gonna be uh, usually pretty significantly higher. So you have to be comfortable with uh, that, knowing that you are going to, he needs to then outperform the market by at least the amount of the excess fees. Gotcha. Right,
2: so it's a bit like I mean, ignoring the returns, a bit like going like off the rack versus like custom tailoring kind of thing. Like you get like a more general, like yep. works for everyone sort of like thing, right. and then you can go if you want to pay a bit more, get something that may be more suited to you. No pun intended, but absolutely intended. <laughs> yeah. And then you could potentially, you know, have better returns or, or something like that. That's the hope. That's yeah. the hope. Right? <laughs> yeah. Right. I don't want to make that's any the hope. Promises. To promise the dream. Yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. That's the hope for sure. So <laughs> speed up. Go ahead, Sasha.
0: Is there a minimum fee to um, invest in a certain type of?
1: Yeah. So, uh, looking at the on the fund side, so exchange traded funds, uh, you can get so the one ETF that I mentioned. If you follow the U.S. market, fees could be very very low. So uh, below ten basis points, so point one of one percent or below that. Whereas if you're going with a professional manager, it could be one to two percent a year uh, depending on the strategy. Um, so the more weird and wacky the strategy, typically the higher the fee hmm. doesn't necessarily mean that makes sense. But that's just how it works. <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so if you look at a one percent fee versus uh, less than ten uh, basis points, it's ten times as much. So it's not to say that The fund that has a higher fee can't perform better, but there's a higher fee. So if there's a higher fee, does that mean there's more risk there? I wouldn't say there's more risk. It's more in the strategy. So uh, let's say the ETF or say the stock market, the U.S. stock market returns 8% one year. The return to you as an investor would be, if it was 10 basis points fee, would be 7.9%. But the individual manager, well, he's not going to return hopefully the same as the S&P, but say he has a 2% fee. So say the return was 6%, after his fees, you're only at 4 So that's not as good.
2: But okay. he
1: could return 12% right. after the fees, you're at 10%. So the 10% is higher than the 79 So yeah, you we- really need to find out what strategy works for you and
2: which managers you think have a good... Uh, track record or... So, not to, to like, I guess split hairs or whatever, but is there any... Are there any fund managers that instead of a fixed fee will take a percentage of your return? Like, sort of... you, You know what I'm saying? Like, let's say... No, because I mean, like for example, like you know, I'll only get you know not to sound like a defense attorney, but like I'll only get paid if you get paid, kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. But so, like, is there anyone? Like, I'm Perfect. just thinking because, like, if you're if you're investing in someone who's offer whose fees are two percent and the market's in like a downturn and you're making you're actually losing money by paying this guy, you know, or woman, whatever, like paying this person, you know, is there anyone that offers something
3: kind of like that or? Typically, no. Uh, some like. On the high-end hedge funds, they will do both, and they will both take a a fee based on just the amount of money you have with them, as well as take a percentage of your performance. Mm. But only positive performance. They won't... They'll share the positive
1: performance, (laughs) but they won't share the negative performance
3: because you got to remember
1: these guys
4: are... They're making money. These guys
2: are sharks.
4: (laughs) So I guess now this makes me wonder, like, what kind of risk can I get involved in if I'm going into investing? Is it more risky than just
3: putting my money in a savings account or is is it worth the risk? Uh, It's definitely more risky than putting your money in a savings account.
1: So I would say it's more risky for you long term to keep your money in a savings account. Okay. Yeah. Depending Uh, on how you look at it, again, it comes
3: back to what is risk. What is your well? What is risk, and what is your time horizon? So we've had, I mean, the stock market over the last hundred years has uh, always been a good investment over the long period, but there has been periods within that hundred years where the stock market has gone down. If you invested in say uh, late two thousand six and took your money out uh, at the beginning of two thousand nine. You would have lost a lot of money. Mm -hmm. So uh, it really depends. So, if in 2006 you only had, like, you knew you wanted to buy something in three years, it would have been far better to be in a savings. Right.
2: Yeah.
1: So, just to extrapolate on Stefan's point say you're 30 years old in 2006, you have $50,000 saved up that you're going to put in for a down payment on a house. Uh, You put your money in the stock market because you know you have a couple years. Uh, obviously, we all know 2007, 2008, credit crisis comes, equities get cracked. Uh, your $50,000 loses 30% uh, and you're ready to buy your house in 2009. Well, uh, unfortunately, your money's not there. Your 50000 if you lost 30%, down to $35,000. Uh, so your time horizon was short. Uh, and yeah, you right. unfortunately are... Or uh, eating Hamburger Helper but if and it, renting for a couple more. days, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Hamburger Whoa. Helper.
2: Yeah. Hold on a second. That's
4: <laughs> yeah,
1: blasphemy.
3: It's delicious.
1: It's good stuff. Uh, but, if it,
4: but if the credit crisis doesn't happen and my money does get bigger, then it is kind of less risky than just putting it in a savings account. Is that what you're trying to say?
1: So what I'm trying to say is uh, how we view risk is the ability or the inability to have money when you need it. So we're all young. We're all in our 20s. The biggest thing we're saving for is retirement. So our time horizon is 30, 40 years. So we're happy uh, with the ups and downs for the next 30 or 40 years. We know that equities could go down. The whole market could go down 20% tomorrow. And we'd be okay with that because we have 30 years to regain Any losses. Hmm. Um, And so say in 25 years, we're getting closer to retirement. Um, Okay, so now we might shift a little bit away from equity. So we would have, hopefully, knock on wood, uh, experienced growth over that 25 years. So we would have grown our investments. Yes, there would have been ups and downs. Uh, 25 years from now, we can now see the beautiful retirement not too far in the distance. We're going to say, okay, we're going to take a little bit of risk away. We're going to have less equities, which are typically the most uh, risky uh, investments. And maybe we're going to shift it into more bonds, which are less risky or GICs or something else. Yeah.
0: So starting out like someone, like, uh, like all of us, um, do you think it would be wise considering the amount of money that we would have? to invest, uh, to invest in bonds and GICs and things like that. And then once we sort of have more money to invest, we start investing in riskier um, things.
3: It it really depends. If you're thinking about the saving for retirement, then you should probably be all in equities. Because you have such a long time horizon that over that period of time, equity should return higher so... Uh, it does end sometime in the future. You can reduce the amount of equities you have, but uh, it would it makes more sense to be fully invested in equities now uh, than actually being in safer, lower-returning assets, as long as you don't need the money right now.
1: And fully doesn't necessarily have to be 100%. Uh, it is still beneficial to have a little bit of per- protection and if we're just looking at equities and bonds uh even if it's 80% equities 20% bonds that would be uh, a prudent
2: place to be uh so <clears throat> just going taking a step back for a sec so we mentioned a discount broker with is either like you purchase your own ETFs or you go through like an investment advisor like someone to manage your money um what about like robo advisors like what about sort of I'm getting, I'm getting... He's shaking his head in the (laughs) throat,
3: disapproval. I think
2: I have said the wrong words. I will excuse myself from this episode.
3: it's... A robo-advisor will will do essentially the same thing that you can do very easily by yourself. Uh, So, and the big downside to that, so while you will end up paying... Well, you'll pay higher fees with a robo-advisor because... They take a fee on top of all the ETF fees that they typically put you in. Uh, the big problem with that is it then uh, makes you responsible for kind of what we would call your own investment discipline. Like Jason said before, the stock market go down 20% tomorrow. If the stock market goes down 20% tomorrow and you look at your uh, investments and you see that they're down 20%, you're going to be very worried. And... That's where being having to be your own kind of investment uh, or maintain your own investment uh, discipline is very difficult to do, because a lot of people will see it down twenty percent and they'll say, "Oh no, I don't, I can't take this. What if it goes down twenty percent again tomorrow?" So they'll take all their money out, and historically, that has always been a improved when the market goes down that's a time we look at as a time to put more money in, not a time to take money out.
2: Right.
1: Hmm.
3: Right.
2: Okay. So that makes, but then though, would you not, if you're buying your own, would you not need that same
3: discipline? Oh, absolutely. That's what I mean. So, so the,
2: so I guess what you're saying is like a little bit more work on your end will save you on fees. And it's the same kind of like, like, because uh, uh, buying your own ETFs versus having a robo advisor do it, you're getting the same product, but you're just not paying the robo advisor's exactly. fees. Exactly. And because you don't have any person to actually speak to, you need to know that twenty percent down does not mean you've lost like a fifth year money for the rest of your life, kind of thing. Yeah, Jeff, you should sit on this side of the table. You. Uh, <laughs> <my> gosh, <better laughs>
1: than we well, I, I mean, yeah. yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> Sorry, associates to the portfolio <laughs> managers is actually my. <laughs> Um, okay, so that's great. So, so uh, what the... What, uh, well, all this talk about losing money is scaring the crap out of me. So, I'm <laughs> wondering, like, do I have to invest in order to make money while just sitting around drinking beer? Or, like, are there other things I can do outside of investing?
1: Okay, so let me take you through this example. So, uh, one of the other things we talked about was, one, investing is very important. Uh, and to develop a savings plan. So, saving is very important, I should have said. Uh, and the second thing is to start young so say there's a you want a magic number of a million dollars when you retire okay yes, what please. age would you like to retire at uh, tomorrow
3: uh, <laughs> <laughs> Lucas is clearly going from what the age top would you realistically
1: 30? like to retire at
4: real, real realistically I don't know like 60
1: okay we, we could work with 60 okay. okay so say you want a million dollars in investments uh, when you're 60, 60 years old so if you started when you're 30, uh, so you have 30 years to invest, uh, and let's just say you get a return of 7%. Uh, it's a little lower than what the the S and P 500 has returned over the last 40 years, but it's a it's a conservative but aggressive number. It's a good number, 7%. <laughs> Everyone likes 7. So, if you invested for 30 years uh, at starting at 30, you would have to put over $10,000 a year away. Uh, to get a million dollars by the time you're 60. So, uh, if you started at 30 and uh, $10,000 a year until you're 60, uh, 10,000 times 30 is 300000 but that money would have grown to a million at that rate. So, if you didn't invest, you'd only have $300,000. Because you just put $10,000 away, it's not, there's no investment return. It is what it is, it's the cash that you're putting under your mattress. But if you invested it, you're at a million. So you got there fairly quickly. But why I say to start young is, okay, what if you didn't start at 30? What if you started at 20? So over from 20 until you're 60, so 40 years, you only have to put away $5,000 a year. So over 40 years, you put away 5000 a year. But since you started 10 years earlier, you get to the same million dollars. So, uh, if you do the math, the $5,000 times uh, $5,000 a year times 40 years, that's $200,000. But that had, would have grown to a million dollars at a 7% rate. Wow. So, you ask, is it risky to invest? I would say it's riskier to not invest because uh, you have a long time horizon and it's going to help you achieve your goals. Get to your million dollars, retire. Can I
4: just say Time Horizon sounds like the next Tom Cruise movie or something? I love it when you I guys keep like, saying it. I that. feel
3: like there might already be a movie called Time <laughs> <Yeah. laughs>
2: Will he save enough money in time? Hidden theaters this June. Time Horizon. To be completely honest, as a 25 year old bum who only sits around playing Xbox, this makes me feel very optimal about my
3: future. Yeah,
4: yeah
2: it's yeah. good. It does make me it's, like it's like your health the earlier you start caring about, about it. About <laughs> it yeah, yeah. In the long run.
3: <laughs> it's $700,000 that you don't have to do anything.
4: For. It's amazing. The <laughs> yeah. future is here.
3: Yeah.
0: Um, all right. I think that's that's all for today. Um, we want to thank Jason and Stefan for educating us on investing. And I think we've all discovered that it's riskier not to invest than... Um, did I say that right? <laughs> <Not> <laughs> you're,
3: you're fine. Yeah, <laughs> I'm good. Yeah, you got it. I'm good. Well done.
0: Um, okay, so that's all for today. Um, tune in next time to hear about buying versus renting a house and debt. Thank
2: you. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Thank you. See you next time.